This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. It is the 86th edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast 225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Hopefully, you have hit the subscribe button. And you get the show every week, in some cases twice, in other cases three times in a week, depending on what's happening in the, in the news. There are no rules here. Wow. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking with Matt Moscona, who is host of After Further Review, heard in both Baton Rouge and New Orleans. He talks about everything from LSU sports to pro sports to pro athletes and what's happening Uh, In our society, he's very good at what he does. I met Matt when he was just a wee lad (laughs) in college, getting into the business. And I say that line to needle him a little bit because I know he'll hate it. But Matt truly is really good, as I said, at what he does. Uh, He's become, in my opinion, the best talk host in local radio, not to say that there aren't some really good guys on the air and who are talented, because there are, but he's got that combination of passion, information, and enough sarcasm to keep you on your toes, as you will hear in our conversation. We're going to talk about last weekend's LSU football game that was just a letdown. I mean, that, that was a bad weekend all the way around. The Tigers went to Green Bay. They lost. The Jags went over to Monroe. They lost. And uh, the pro football season is kicking off, depending on where you're here, when you're hearing this. Uh, the game between the Panthers and the Broncos could either be tonight or may have already happened. But week one of the NFL season is about to go on. Matt and I talk about everything from the LSU weekend to Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. We have a back and forth about the best quarterback, you know, some of that barbershop talk. And it's really good. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, On a side note, I mentioned on Facebook, and I I told you guys here on the show about the unbroken chain wristbands that we have here. We talked about it here locally on WAFB-TV here in Baton Rouge. And you can go to keepitlinked.com to learn more about how you can be a part of this movement. I had a conversation with Sandra Sterling this morning the aunt of Alton Sterling, who says she wanted to be on board with this thing, and we're glad to have her. If you're unfamiliar with the movement, it's basically this. With what's going on in Baton Rouge, from the shooting with Alton Sterling to the killing of those police officers to the floods that have happened over the last few weeks in the aftermath of that, for this community to be what it can be, it's going to take everybody pitching in and being a part of the solution Uh, because and we use the analogy of an unbroken chain saying that an unbroken chain is useful but a chain with a weak link it's only it only has a matter of time before it doesn't serve its purpose purpose anymore and so you'll be hearing a lot more about that we're going to sit down she myself Jeff and Kelly LaDuff and talk more about how we can work together on this uh, on uh, September 14th, uh, on another side note, got more sides in a Rubik's Cube here. There's going to be a fundraiser at Ben 77 in Perkins Row on Wednesday, September 14th, 
Hopefully you're hearing this before then. And uh, the purpose of that fundraiser is to raise money for these officers currently serving on the Baton Rouge Police Department uh, through Protect Our Protectors organization, buying necessary materials for them or at least giving money towards that cause. And we've also talked about helping some of the officers displaced after the floods. There are several other organizations helping citizens in Baton Rouge. Many churches are. And I want to hear from you. If you know of someone who'd like to get the word out by way of this podcast, give me a holler. You can shoot me an email, clay at podcast225.com or call my office, 225-214-1550, and we want to get you on. I got an email from a candidate for city council who wants to come onto the show, and we're going to make that happen. Uh, I'm also going to have a conversation with Bodie White, and that'll be on the show. And we've got some other things with some of the political races that are coming in the future that you guys will hear right here on the Clay Young Show on podcast. 225.com. All right, quick break, and then we're back with Matt Moscona, radio talk show host and soon to be nationally syndicated talent. I just believe that, and you'll hear why next. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Now, Brian, you've been doing this nearly 20 years, 17 years in this business How'd you get into this? Well, you know, it goes back to college. Uh, yeah. We had a financial planner from AG Edwards come out and visit with us. And she asked, who in the, finan- in the room wants to be in the financial business? And I'm the only one that raised a hand because an old football buddy of mine said, Brian, you know, 17 years now later, you are the only one in class that said you want to do that. So I stuck to my guns. I went to college, got in the financial industry at the bank, at Chase Bank, did that for five years, joined ING, got a senior partner who was 20 years wiser than me. We had a thousand clients. He's still around here in town. I appreciate everything he did for me. Uh, then I went independent uh, ten years ago. Started teaching financial planning classes at the universities, and here we are today. I focus on income planning. Bottom line is, all of this experience comes from the right start. If you want someone with credentials and experience, call Brian and his team at Brian Low Financial, or look him up online at BrianLowFinancial.com. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Back with Matt Moscona, host of After Further Review. It is a syndicated radio show. That's right, in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans. Matt, man, you know, how are you this morning? How about that, Clay? You introducing me as a syndicated radio host. Who would have thunk, right? Well, you can scratch that off your bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's... I'm doing it right now, pen in hand. the thing is, it's it's funny because when we met, you were working, getting into radio, and you were finishing your undergrad at LSU, and you worked with Ed Bugs, friend of ours who passed away a few years ago, and there were a few stints where you worked on the show that I was doing, and all these years later, and I've said this to you off the air, so uh, you know, I'll just be honest with it. I think you're the best 
talk talent on the radio in this market now and probably the same in New Orleans where you are. And I don't just say that because I've known you so long, but it's because I know how hard you work to put a, a show together. And that's an underrated aspect of being on the radio, actually doing hard work. Yeah. That's true, man. It, and it is. And thank you, Clay. But it is one of the things that, that I've always taken a lot of pride in is, I guess my general rule is so for every hour that I'm on, I'll prep two hours. Yep. So for a three-hour show in a given day, I like to prep six hours for that show. And my hope is that it comes across. So when someone when, – when I'm talking to someone who says they're you know, a fan or a listener of the show and they say, you know, I can just tell you're really prepared, they don't know it, but that's the, that's the biggest compliment they can pay me because Absolutely. for me that's validation. That, that's the time I spend every day preparing what, what I hope many think is a well-thought-out, well-planned show is, is actually paying off and people actually notice. Well, I mean, that's the big thing. And the intensity of doing it right is important. I, I still go back to, I saw Matt at a charity event that he hosted, gosh, I guess it was either earlier this year or late last year. And we joked about this when uh, we were working together at WIBR, we were in a staff meeting and we we're talking about ratings. <laughs> so, you know where I'm going. Right, right. And so I, laugh about this I lost my, you know what, in that meeting about it. And I'm screaming about we got ones. And, and I'm because for me, the taste of mediocrity is the most awful, awful thing. I don't want to be mediocre at anything. You know, you don't win at everything, but you sure as hell work as hard as you can at it. And all yeah. these years later, lo and behold, look who's the intense man on the radio now. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? I don't. Ha I don't have ones, although. I don't have <laughs> well, no, you, you you do a hell of a lot better than ones, but you know this was at a well, time that we were the supreme underdog against a juggernaut yeah. here in town. And we, you know, I, WIBR for me, Clay was, and I, it's, you know, I'm always interested because when typically people that listen to my radio show now will say, "Man, I've been listening to you when you got your start at 12:10 with Condon." And people, generally people don't know, like I had been in radio five, six years already right. when I made the move into sports right. and was working at, at 12, 10 a.m. With, with Richard Condon and, and that gang over there, which was a lot of fun. Right. But whenever I, whenever I talk to people who, who were aware of, of WIBR and the fact that that's actually where, where my career started and. I don't. I don't know. I feel it's weird, Clay. I feel like I have like a little kinship because I take a lot of pride in in the work we did at IBR, and, and I mean that was a news talk station. I never right. thought when I was doing news then that I would ever get into sports. It just kind of happened that way. But man, like you know, we went. We were all local all day, which hadn't been done. Right. Um. We you know we never broke for national. We when when things happened like. Hurricane Katrina or the 2004 election coverage, these right. are things that hadn't been done, like having town hall meetings and and having uh, uh, on-air debates among candidates that, right. that our station organized. I mean, there was a lot of of progressive thinking in, in, in the ways to approach good radio that we did at WIBR. I was and I was really proud of a lot of what we did there. So when people say, when, whenever I talk to anyone from those days or people say, I remember you when you were on with Bugs or whatever back at IBR, I, I, I take a lot of pride in that, man. It, it gets me in the cockles of my heart. I still meet people from time to time who remember that. I mean, I had only been eight or nine years into the business then when I got to IBR. And 
I enjoyed it from Jeff Jarnigan, who was the programmer at the time who brought me in. And, you know, we worked under Rebecca Breeding there at, uh, at Citadel at the time. Mm. It's Cumulus now. And I liked the hard work. I was I, going against J-Bo was an uphill climb, but it never scared me. Man, I've never been afraid of a hard challenge. It's like, you know, if, if everything in life is easy, what's the point? And so yeah. uh, and so we worked hard. And as you say, everything we did at that station with 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 everything we did at the station, much of it had never been done here before being live and local all day long. And now, of course, people try to emulate it, but there still isn't a fully live and local station in town. I mean, Jaybo now doesn't have anyone who does a show live out of the studio and talk is mostly local. Um, but, you know, they've got uh, Dave Ramsey and, of course, uh, Jim Inkster, who's a who's a statewide show. So, I mean, talk, don't you find that talk radio, whether it's sports talk or news talk, is the last most pure form of radio now because it isn't tinkered with as much uh, from consultants? I guess so. I mean, uh, but again, also my view of it, Clay, is a bit uh, is a bit different considering that I work for Guarantee Group, which is a local company. That's and that right. in and of itself is a rarity. That's right. Because radio mostly is very corporate where you have companies like iHeart or, as you mentioned, Cumulus or Intercom or whatever they are, and they go into markets and they buy up gobs of stations, and then it's basically directives from a, a big office on high trying to do a cookie-cutter mold with stations right. around, you know, around their country, no matter the market. And the, you know, the benefit for for me working at guarantee is if I have a question, if I have an issue, if I have an idea, I literally walk out of my door and, and, and our, my boss and I, we share a wall. So like I can go talk to Gordy rush or Flynn Foster and, and have a decision instantly. So it's, you know, there's, there's, there's such a great benefit to being local and actually having decisions made in, in the building where they actually value people and not, not, chasing whatever the bottom line is that needs to be you know, nationally. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, maybe to your, your question about a talk radio is the last pure form, form of radio. Pro, probably. But then again, I mean, you know, at, at guarantee on our music stations, Clay, like Eagle 98.1, 100.7, the tiger, like they actually have living, breathing human beings right. live on air during the day, which like never, which happened. is rare. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we like, there was when I was at at Clear Channel for a little while, they had there was a guy in the building, Scotty Mack, who's a really talented guy, but he got plugged into the Clear Channel network and he was doing voice tracking for stations in like Georgia and Indiana. I mean, he's like on the on the computer. I'm like telling radio secrets, but he's like on the computer checking the weather for like Athens, Georgia, and he's like, <laughs> "It's uh, 72 degrees right now by the airport in Athens." I'm like. But you're in Baton Rouge. It's a 10-12 split, man. What is this? It's it's it's, you're right. It's the way the business has gone, and yeah, I fell in love with radio, and I loved the the behind the scenes of it, but the the immediacy the immediacy of it. Radio got right to you, and outside of local news or national news, not much got to you in broadcasting. Even with print media back in the day, you had to wait on the newspaper. Of course, now with social media. Everything else is so immediate, but radio was always that medium that if it was happening now, I could, you know, press a button and I'm right with the audience like we did during Katrina. I mean, we went wall to wall first in Baton Rouge during Katrina and covered it all the way through. And here it is 11 years later. 
And every time we think about that storm, I go back to those days with all of us over there on Wooddale. Yeah, you know what's funny about that? I remember, so working with Ed Bugs, he, you know, the year before Katrina, Hurricane Ivan looked like it was coming to Baton Rouge. And now it kind of did a wobble and went over to Mobile instead. And that was a massive storm. And Ed wanted to go and Ed was doing a four hour show and afternoon drive. And, you know, as the storm, as Katrina got into the Gulf, understanding at this time, it wasn't what we know of Katrina now, which is a storm in the Gulf, which happens all the time. Yeah. And Ed's rundown is like four hours of Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, basically talking to everybody and anybody who could have something to say to say about this. So like one one topic all day, four hours. I'm like, Ed, and we're going to one break, and you know, one of the, the forecasters or whatever from the Hurricane Center had predicted a similar wobble, like to to the east. And so I stand up in studio as the guy saying, because I, I was talking to Ed. I'm like, Ed, four hours of this is ridiculous. Like, I get it. It's a storm in the Gulf, and we got to pay attention to it and and keep people updated. But come on, man. Like, the entire – like, you're just – you're fear-mongering here. It's four hours of, of, of a storm that's not even going to make landfall for another five days or, or whatever, you know. And and one of the forecasters comes on and says that on air, basically says, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're expecting this maybe to make a little – wobble to the right so i stand up and like both arms start gesturing to the right like like it's going that way it's going that way and uh it, you know and it just really kind of like sticking it to ed like you like you're wrong i'm right and lo and behold of course <laughs> well, we all know what happened with, with katrina yeah. and and ed would <laughs> i mean to the day he died i mean ed and i had a lot of inside jokes he would look at me sometimes and go, and he'd go hey matt and he would just like Oh, just so you know, over the top. Just throw his <laughs> arms to the side, like it's going that way. It's going that way. It, oh, it, it was our. Uh, I got ones. I guess. Yeah, y'all were horrible that way. I could have beat the hell out of both of y'all for that. You know, just. Uh, but it was so great because <laughs> I, I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the camaraderie that we had. You know, with with the group there, and of course there is your dear friend and mine, Richard Condon, whom you get to see in the building at Guarantee every day now. And I'm sure that's the gift that keeps on giving over there for you. It is. I love Richard. Richard. Richard is a Richard's an awesome guy. He's been he's been one of my my best friends in life, uh, despite our age difference. And um, you know, Richard is. I'll say all the time, people that know him know this. Every, everything Richard says on air, he believes. I just believe that his his delivery is different on air because oh, he, he no understands that, that it's a show. Yeah, he, no doubt. Richard has never lost sight of the fact that he's still there to entertain right, people. Right, right. And whether whether you agree with him or disagree with him or you love him or you hate him, his his role is to get a reaction, but he, he legitimately believes the things he says. He does, and he's he on the air is about Richard Condon turned up to a level 15 and that's kind yeah. of the way it is. He, he really isn't that over the top. He's, he's a rather unassuming guy. If he walked into a room, you wouldn't know it was him if you didn't already have that knowledge beforehand. And I'm sure he's been screaming for the last couple of days about this past weekend. And that, my friends, is a professional broadcast segue uh, into, <laughs> into this past weekend in Lambeau Field, the Tigers – and Wisconsin, and I lead off my discussion with you about this by asking, "What the hell, dude? All off season, this what this is what you get on Saturday?" 
that's that's what everybody's asking, and that's probably what or that is what ultimately will cost Les Miles his job whenever it, the, the time comes is his unwillingness and inability to adapt. I mean, Clay, look if if what happened last November and just that that utter collapse in November didn't shake Les into recognizing that sincere changes need to come with the offense. Uh, it's just, it's not going to happen. I mean, it, it, and this team, unfortunately is going to continue to regress. I, I wrote a column play over at the gridironnow.com. I've gotten some pushback on it, but I, you know, I basically said that under less miles, LSU will not compete for another national championship. And they've hit the point of diminishing returns. The, the investments that have been made into the program where you're investing in, uh, you know, an expanded Tiger Stadium, escalating salaries for coaches. You are, you just renovated the weight room. Their plans to renovate football ops. They're going to build a new nutrition center. So they, they're investing all of this, and the yield rate isn't increasing proportionally to the investment. That's diminishing returns. That's where LSU is. You're going to continue to see LSU lag behind in relation to its its investments. Now, there's still plenty enough talent for this team to win games. Like I don't, they're not going to bottom out, but they're, they're not going to, to compete for an SEC or a national title this year or as long as Les Miles is the coach. See, that's so interesting. And watching Saturday, I didn't see any difference from last year, as you say. There was nothing different. And at what point do we start to talk about the offensive scheme that Cam Cameron has put together? Because I didn't see anything but... Uh, run Leonard left, run Leonard right, run Leonard up the middle, punt the ball and hope for a good punt and not a shank. There, you know, if, if you watch with a sort of a trained eye, you can see some things they notice different. So like the first offensive series, they ran the ball three plays. Right. But the formations they used in two of them were different. So on one play, they actually ran an option, which to my knowledge, they've never run under with, with Brandon Harris. And Harris pitched it to Leonard. It didn't do great. But at the same time, when you show that, it, it can set up a play later. And then on the third down play, they ran a fake jet sweep with DJ Shark uh, in motion. They, he scored on the jet sweep in the Texas Tech game. Uh, and they faked it. Harris kept it. Now he got stuffed. But again, you show that motion, and then it makes the defense at least respect it and commit. You can catch them off guard when you have different options. You can throw it, you can give it, or the quarterback can keep it. So, I mean, there were some things that were different. The problem, Clay, is they never went back to it at any point during the game. No, so it's not, like, what, what's the point in showing that if you're not going to come back and use some other action or activity off of it? So, well, and and I mean, the, the other thing is I didn't notice a lot of screen passes, especially with so much of the defense up on the line of scrimmage. The, the, the kinds of passes for Harris – who is just not a pure drop back passer? They didn't. I didn't see the kind of passes that would build his confidence early. Uh, I just. I. I listen. The kid takes a pounding, and I'm critical. I'm only so critical of college athletes. I'm. I don't think you give him a pass, but. You know, I just. I, for me personally, I can only. I can only go so far with that. But you're wondering, how do you not put him in a better position to not be the goat? Now, there's no excuse for that last pass. I won't make any. Right. But how do you not put him in a better position to at least be able to help himself and the run game? So that's kind of the problem. Is that while I agree with you, 
you give him simple passes in this offense, nothing is easy. I mean, I can even point to the fact that on the second offensive series, the first play, they ran a five-yard hitch to Malachi Dupree. That's basically just five yards out toward the sideline, turn around. Right. If you remember the play, Harris sailed it on him. Yeah, it it was five feet over his head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a six foot four receiver, yeah. and who's jumping, I mean, and who's who can barely get within a couple of inches of the ball, jumping as high as he can. So that's that's the problem inherently is that Brandon Harris is not an accurate thrower, not at all. So even when you try to give him that that simple five yard hitch, if you're not confident that he's going to be able to complete that and throw an accurate ball, then why call that? So let me um, ask let me ask you this before you go on to the next point. What about what you just said is different from last year? And if, in fact, it's the same as what we saw last year, why are we having to have this conversation in September of this year? I think because they're stuck. Because they don't have another option. I mean, they put their eggs in the Brandon Harris basket. And if... Look, I mean, Danny Etling is sitting there, you know, the Purdue transfer. And, you know, I asked Les on Monday if we might see Danny in the, in the game and his on Saturday against Jacksonville state. And unless his answer was essentially, you know, we, we consider everything, but the only way that, you know, we really hope to just play one quarterback and then get Danny snaps after the games in hand, meaning, you know, if it's a blowout, you go run him out there to get him some snaps. Like there's, there's no plan or intent in, in running Danny Etling out there to, to see if he could be better. Now, Clay, my, I guess my thought in this wild, wacky world, and again, the next game I coach would be my first, but except for the celebrity <laughs> softball game that I coach for Jacques Doucet every summer. If it were me, I would tell both those quarterbacks, Harris and Etling, hey guys, look, you're both playing against Jacksonville State. And, and both of you are going out to try to earn the starting job next week against Mississippi State in a home conference game. So we'll, we'll rotate you however we, we feel like it's natural during the game. Do your best and, and go earn a job. And that, that's how I would approach it. But less clearly isn't. You know, they, they've got so much sweat equity invested in Brandon, having started him all of last year, having given him all the first-team reps through spring and summer and fall camp. And they're just stuck. I mean, he's, he's their guy, and he's a very imperfect player. And I'm, play, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not going to crush the, the kid. I'm not going to throw him completely under the bus. He's still a college athlete doing his best. Uh, but at this point, he is what he is, and it's hard to argue to the contrary when you look around college football and you see Alabama run a freshman out there and Georgia run a freshman out there and Texas play a true freshman and Florida State play a freshman. And all these guys are throwing for, for 400 yards or accounting for four touchdowns and, and, and leading their teams to wins on giant stages against Power 5 schools, and you go, no, why can't the guy who's been there for three years at LSU throw a five-yard hitch? And maybe to that end, it's it's not the coach. I, I certainly blame play call. I think it's, it's not inventive. I don't think they run an offense that's conducive to what Brandon Harris does well, but the things they ask him to do, even the simple things he struggles with. So I, I just think they're stuck. It, it to me doesn't look like under less miles, there has been a cultivation of the quarterback position and I don't see the passing game, uh, as a reflection of the talent that we have had, if if we were honest, the average fan could not say that they saw Odell Beckham becoming what he has become in the NFL based upon what he did when he was here in Baton Rouge. 
because you never got to see that. Mettenberger can sling it. We knew he had a strong arm, but he can get to places with the football in the NFL that we never even really saw here. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Now, you look at the evolution of what Nick Saban has even done, because Saban ran a similar offense to what Miles is running now. Run, 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 dink, dunk here and there. But even he evolved. Even Nick Saban Matthew evolved. So I'm trying to figure at what point does that happen and is less going to be so recalcitrant to change that the only option is another option. Recalcitrant. Resistant. Hmm. I'm going to go look that up. Uh, it's, um, it's resistant. The, the, so look, Saban is, is the example everybody will point to, and it's a good one, but he's not the only one. Um, I'll point to Bob Stoops. So Bob Stoops was on the ropes at Oklahoma a couple of years ago, and they were very seriously considering making a change in head coach. Yeah. And what did he do? He went and hired a kid named Lincoln Riley, 30 years old, to, to come in and be his offensive coordinator. And it was, it was not a name that a lot of people knew. Certainly didn't have a ton of experience. But in his whole coaching career, Lincoln Riley had run spread concepts on offense. It's, it's all that he's known. And to that extent, Clay, kids that are playing high school ball that make the step to college, that's what they're running. That's what kids in high school are running today. Everybody operates out of a no-huddle spread, um, shotgun, you know, tempo, like that that is what football is today. Like I, I spent eight years calling high school, last eight years calling high school football games on Friday nights. Like it is a rarity clay to see a huddle. So, so Bob, back to the point about Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops recognized that this is what the guys I'm recruiting know, you know, NFL be damned. Like, this is what my guys know. Let me bring in a guy who understands this offense and can implement it now. And, did and they made the college football playoff a year ago Nick Saban hired Lane Kiffin and Lane has done an excellent job as a play caller and calling offenses to his team's strengths two years ago he had Amari Cooper on the outside Blake Sims became a 3,000 yard passer last year you lose Amari Cooper you lose your top receiver in the first game of the season you're bringing Jake Coker along slowly what does he do he leaned on Derrick Henry and, and he wins a Heisman Trophy it's it's that willingness to adapt. Bob Stoops did it. Nick Saban did it. Charlie Strong at Texas clearly has done it. He brought in a young guy from Tulsa named Sterling Gilbert, and he started a true freshman quarterback on this past Sunday against Notre Dame called named Shane Buchel. And Buchel goes out there and throws for 300 yards and is swinging the ball all around, and they score you know, 50 points, and, and they win the game. And if you're an LSU fan, you look and you go, why are all of these freshmen around the country – having success, Jalen Hurts at Alabama, Jacob Eason at Georgia. It's because they're running offenses that they're comfortable in, Clay. It's, this is the offense that they've run you know, for four years coming up in high school, and it's just taking that next step. It's like playing a seven-on-seven. Seven. It's instinctive. You're not trying to force someone into a mold where they don't fit, where they have to grow and develop and learn it. It's just what they've done for, for their entire life. And Les refuses to do that. And, you know, if Les was at a very clear 
point this past offseason where Cam Cameron's contract was up and he could have done exactly what Charlie Strong did. Cam, Les Miles could have said, Cam, all the best. You know, Go back to the NFL and do what you do. And he could have gone over to the University of Houston and gotten Major Applewhite, who's a Baton Rouge native, yeah. and said, Major, come run our offense. And paid him a million dollars a year, and Major would have done it. Come to Baton Rouge, take Brandon Harris, make our offense modern. And 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 would have. Why didn't and he? It, and it, and it, because he's stubborn, and, and that's the point, Clay. And that's that, we'll go back to the beginning, and, and that's going to be his undoing, because Les believes this is the way that he's going to have success. And he's just wrong. And five years ago, he was right, Clay, because they had a great season in 2011 doing this, running power, throwing the ball off a of play action. The game has just changed now. And LSU's not great at running power, and they don't have an accurate quarterback that can throw off a of play action. So when you don't have those two things, it's hard to run power and throw the ball off a of play action. But you can't run power and you don't have an accurate quarterback. So, look, I mean, Clay, everybody has ideas. Everybody says, why don't they try this? Why don't they try that? Because Les isn't going to try this or try that. He's proven that, and, and his stubbornness is going to be his undoing, unfortunately, because I like Les, and he's done some fantastic things here. I do, but too. he set an expectation for himself and for yeah. this program that he can no longer meet doing what he's doing, and he showed very clearly he's not going to change. Recalcitrant. Work the word on your radio show. It fits. Uh, that's done. I mean, I'll do that today for you sure. Work the word. And Tell- then and then I'll go, Kalakai! And people go, oh, I hate you guy, Kalakai guy. That's what they'll do. Why you got to go mess it up, man? I, I teach you a word, and then you come right back and mess it up. There you go. Uh, let's talk- I didn't mess it up. I said recalcitrant. I said it right. Okay. All right. So. I can probably spell it, too. R-E-C-A-L-C-I-T-R-A-N-T, recalcitrant. Did you just look it up? No, I didn't. I'm talking oh, to you. Okay. I don't I'm just know. a very good speller. Yeah, okay. So let's talk I about... No, I am a very good speller. Okay. Like, I could be in the spelling bee and win it. I'm that, a very good speller. That's, you should be I don't right, know why. Right. I'm not good at math, but I'm right. a good speller. Can I move on? So let's talk, sure. about, let's talk about the other side of the coin, because I've always known you to be pretty reasonable about this football stuff. And as you know, the definition of a football fan is to be unreasonable at all points. And how much of our disappointment is based upon unrealistic expectation? And let me define that for people who may be wondering what I mean. Uh, Unrealistic expectation being that you'll win the national championship every year. Not be competitive, not compete for playoff or the SEC division or the SEC title, but a championship or bust mentality in Baton Rouge. Well, I don't think that I think that should always be your expectation because when you lower your expectation, then you start to accept mediocrity. Right. And that's where LSU was as a program for many, many years. Right. I think most people understand you're not going to win the national championship every year. A lot of things have to fall in in place for that to happen. And in, in 120 years of football, LSU's won three of them. So I think people understand it's not going to happen every year. Um, but what you have to be is, is competitive enough to think that it can happen every year. And, and LSU was at that point. They're not anymore. So I think most fans, Clay, I mean, there's the fringe lunatics and every fan base has them. 
but most understand you're not going to win the championship every single year. And it's, it's actually okay to lose as much as it stinks and stings. Like it's okay to lose a game, but what's not okay is to continue losing games in the same manner and refusing to do anything different. And I think that's where people are with LSU. It's not, it's not that LSU lost to Wisconsin clay. It's, it's how really they lost to Wisconsin. If, you know, if Wisconsin had come out, maybe there was a coverage bust and they, they hit a big deep ball or they returned a kickoff or maybe got a scoop and score on defense. And it was mistakes that you go, man, like clean up a few of those things. And this goes differently, but the offense still churned out, you know, 400 yards, but they got in the red zone and got stuffed a couple times, had to settle for field goals. Like those are things you can look at and say, okay, every one of those things is fixable. But what you saw from LSU on Saturday was the team get thoroughly controlled by an inferior manhandled, manhandled, and that, not controlled, and that, manhandled. That's the thing. I see. I wouldn't say manhandled because Wisconsin didn't blow LSU off the ball. They didn't run uh, for four hundred yards. Seems like they were Wisconsin shoving. Seems like they were controlled. shoving our guys around at, at the point of impact on the line. But you know, I've got an amateur eye. But it just looked like they were shoving our. They were meeting Leonard in the backfield way more often than I'd like to have seen before he could gain momentum. You know, a, a big part of that, though, is, is misses. I mean, like the, you could look at – I mentioned earlier, Clay, the, the play where Leonard got hit in the backfield on the, on the, re, on the zone read. That's, that's a play where the quarterback, if he sees that guy crash down, should pull it and run. But that's, that's again, a scheme thing. But my, my, my point essentially is that you can look at LSU and you can, you can see a lot of what plagued them on Saturday is not fixable. It's, it's what they are, unless if they change the offense. And I don't believe they're going to change the offense, so I have no reason to believe that it's going to be fixed. <sighs> okay, well, let's move to the NFL now. Uh, as you know, I am a lifelong fan of the great San Francisco 49ers. And not recently, re- no, I'm, what do you mean, not great? Yeah, we hadn't been great in a little while, but I'm still a, a big fan. And uh, I'd like to ask your thoughts about the backup quarterback playing for the Niners now and how much. Uh, with with how much he's been in the news the last few weeks, what do you think about Mr. Kaepernick and all the attention he's gotten? It's absolutely his constitutional right. Um, I think that, and I think there's a valid reason for his protest, but I also think that he's chosen the wrong way to go about doing it. And I, I also think it's... Um, it's ironic in that he's using the freedoms the nation, this nation affords him to protest in protesting the, the nation that affords him those freedoms. Um, it, it seems very silly and misguided. I'm, like, Clay, I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that, that our nation is perfect and that there's no racial injustice. I, clearly there is. But we also have a black president that we've elected to two terms. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's going to make $11 million a year playing football. I mean, we're, we're not a perfect nation. And, and if he wants to advocate for change, God bless him, you know, but find a, find a better way to do it. That can get your message across. That's not going to be so divisive and more so that's not going to confuse the issue because people aren't talking so much about Kaepernick's point, which is about you know, racial injustice or the way that minorities are treated in, in America. And people are talking about him disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the anthem. 
So he's he's muddied the water and confused the message and completely detracted from the point that he was trying to get across anyway. So I I respect his right to do it. I think he's got a valid point. I also think that very few people are getting his message because he's chosen a bad way to go about communicating it. That's pretty well said, Matt. That's pretty well said. Thanks, Clay. Uh, you know, I <laughs> you're such a sarcastic SOB. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, uh, and folks, he's always been that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you and and the way that you said it because it's it's the truth. I had the morning I learned about this. Uh, there, the Sickle Cell Anemia Foundation had this uh, this event downtown. And they've had it every August for the last few years. And Ryan Clark is like the ambassador for it because he has he has the sickle cell trait. And so I'm there. I've been one of their one of the people helping them for the last four or five years. And before everything gets kicked off, a young lady sang the national anthem and she sang it a cappella. And it's downtown. There's not a whole lot of motion there. And so the sound of her singing that song resonated through downtown it was like something out of a movie and it was absolutely quiet you couldn't hear anything but her and when she was finished the the applause from the crowd and everybody and I'm thinking this is just awesome so I leave maybe 15 minutes after that and the Niners had played the night before and I didn't watch the game I DVR'd it to watch Saturday morning and I avoided Bleacher Report and all of the updates because I didn't want to learn anything about the game. But one alert gets through about Kaepernick's protest. And having done this a long time, man, I saw that and I went, uh-oh. And I think you're right. The message was muddled by the way he went about it. And if he had started with the speech or the press event he gave earlier or late last week after he was called onto the carpet about those awful socks he might have had a lot more credibility. So, you know, I don't know, man. It's been a distraction. Uh, I don't even know if, the, if he'll be on the team by the time we get to the fifth week of the season. Uh, we've got all kinds of worries as a Niner fan. And uh, you guys as a Saints fan, are y'all going to give Drew Brees $100 million? You know he's like 70 years old, right? And he's still playing uh, like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. No doubt here's, about that. No doubt about that. Here's no what doubt. I know. Yeah. You're – as long as Drew Brees is on the roster, you have a chance. That's true. Without Drew Brees on the roster, the Saints have no chance. Like, you're you're the Colts when Peyton got injured. Yeah. And you had a lot of issues if you're the Saints. Drew Brees ain't one of them. And in this NFL, you ain't winning without a quarterback, so pay him. Well, I'll tell you this. I can't think of any player in the history of that franchise who has meant more to that team and that city than that guy. I respect Drew Brees and as you know I don't really root against him but I'm not a Saints fan but I respect mm-hmm. Drew Brees as a man I mean he has been what he's what has he been there 11 years since 06 so, so season 11 yeah so I mean he's been unbelievable and even Sean Payton who I didn't like early on but that guy he will he'll slit your throat figuratively speaking he he puts his foot on you and uh, you gotta love that but who's coaching the defense over there now well, uh, they brought in a a, a, uh, a guy who had been on staff under Peyton um, before as a defensive backs coach, Dennis Allen. Yeah. Who became the head coach in Oakland for a minute. Yeah. And I mean, every coach in Oakland is 
Dustin DeFeo, which he did. Pretty much. So they brought him back last year as a defensive assistant under Rob Ryan, and then when they fired Rob Ryan midseason, Allen replaced him on a part-time basis, and now is the full-time D.C. So, so the word around the defense, man, is just simplify. Don't do so many exotic blitzes and, and all the, the exotic coverages that Rob Ryan was trying to do. Just that never worked. And be athletic. <laughs> it, it, well, the first year he was in New Orleans, it did, and they made the playoffs in 2013, and the defense was pretty good. But in subsequent years, they've had the worst defense in the league. So a big part of that is the fact that they have very little talent. Um, but they're they're trying. I can respect the fact that they're trying to rectify that. But um, you know, through the draft and whatnot. But I mean, we'll. I I don't have a lot of optimism. And with Drew Brees, this team probably wins six or seven games. You know, without him, it's it's a total bottoming out. And you're talking about one of the top three picks in the draft. You don't think they're going to win, but six or seven games. I just don't think the roster is good, Clay. I mean, they're and not only that. Look at their schedule. I mean, I know it's the NFL, and, and everybody in the NFL plays a tough schedule, but the Saints this year, especially in the first half of the season, have a particularly brutal road. I mean, games that you might have looked at in the past, like you know, starting this Sunday at home against Oakland and laughed. I mean, I, I think Derek Carr in Oakland and Khalil Mack come into Baton Rouge, you know, Amari Cooper coming to New Orleans and win that game. And then week two, you're on the road against the Giants. I mean, with that defense, good luck covering you know, Odell Beckham, and now Victor Cruz is back. And you know, then you come home and you play Atlanta, and then you're you're on the road again. Well, the Saints come out. Gotta, the, the, Saints, pay, the Saints go out to Santa Clara twice. You know, they do go play the 49ers. So I hear I hear what you mean about a tough schedule. That's the one where the this this you look at their schedule, it lightens up after starting with week nine when they go to San Francisco. Yeah, but what I happens mean, if the Niners win that game, though, Matt? I, they they may. I mean, it's a it's a cross cut. You know, you're two time zones away. It, I mean, who knows who's going to be quarterback or how Chip Kelly year one will do? But um, I I think the Saints have you know they they sowed some seeds last year playing younger guys on defense. We'll see if they take root, but. I mean, their offensive line is in shambles. Can they keep Drew Brees upright? They've shown no semblance of a running game. I, there's there's not a lot of reason for optimism this year with New Orleans, and, and, and I get it. But at the same time, you're not winning anything without Drew Brees this year, next, or the following. So, you know. I really think – I think he could play into his early 40s. I, you know, I, his arm hasn't backed down a whole lot. There's been, you know, a little bit, but, hell, he's not 25 anymore. But I still think his mind, his ability to read defenses, I mean, I think he is, of, of the last 15 years, I'd put him in the top five. Hell, I'm going to surprise you. I'd take Drew Brees before Peyton Manning. Over the last five years or over his career? Ugh, well, you would have to do that. You do host a sports talk show every day. Uh I don't know. Maybe maybe over the last I mean, five okay. years, probably not over the entire period. Although, although I in the playoffs was always worried that Peyton Manning was one bad decision away from losing a game, and I didn't think I never really have thought that about Drew a whole lot. So Peyton is look part of his his resume will always be that he gagged in the playoffs. Yep. But the other part of that is every year but his rookie year he was in the playoffs. Well, he's and, he's LeBron James, Matt. Well, I, I think I think LeBron has now superseded all of the criticisms. Um, 
Listen, I agree. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not a LeBron people. hater. I, I never understood it. The kid doesn't get into trouble. You know, the worst decision people can, or the, or the worst thing people could say about him is the decision. A press conference he had on television announcing he's leaving Cleveland to go to Miami. I'm thinking, this is what we're gonna hang the kid on. That something that was Jim Gray's idea in the first place. Who I really don't like, by the way. I just. Uh, I'm not a LeBron hater, and I've never really understood all of the vitriol that this kid engenders. I don't know. Why is that, yeah, by no, the way? I, I, no, I'm not a LeBron hater either, but he just, look, he came in with a lot of expectation. But at the same time, I, I do understand the criticisms before about how he couldn't get it done in the playoffs, but that's, that's gone now. I mean, winning two in Miami, then going to Cleveland and, and winning one with that roster? No, I mean, it's yeah. the, the arguments against LeBron are, are – are dead but nobody's ever going to be and nobody's ever going to be michael jordan quit with the next michael jordan i heard somebody say this you know the public didn't choose the first one so how do you know who's going to be the second one this just knock it off please well look i I don't know clay i mean there's a lot of people who who will stay true to like i'm sure you think joe montana is the greatest quarterback ever well who doesn't who who doesn't who doesn't me, I think it's Tom Brady. I Are you? That's, well, that's you know, a, you know, you know what? Uh, he's close. He's close. I, I know. I, I could. I could. I could I'll, see I'll that argument. This. Yeah. Joe Joe Montana, while he never lost a Super Bowl and Jordan never lost the finals, I, I get that. But Brady, their two Super Bowl losses basically are because Eli Manning com- completed miracle circle circus catches after after Brady had led game uh, what would have been game winning touchdown drives in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. So he, yeah. he very like he very really should have six titles, yeah. including the only undefeated season that's at eighteen and zero. But but even still, na- aside yeah. from Randy Moss, name me a receiver that Brady's thrown to. I, I mean, mean, with the 49ers, you had you had Jerry Rice and John Taylor, and you had a great tight end, and you had Roger Craig, and you had. Hall of Famers on defense and Ronnie Lott. Okay. And I, I mean, well, you know, I mean, all the ifs, you know, I'm if, not, if, look, if I'm, a, not, I'm not diminishing yeah, okay. Joe Montana, okay. but I'm saying clearly Joe Montana is, is one of the greatest of all time so, and probably ha- deserved to be called the greatest until now. It's, so it's Tom Brady. Now. So, so first, first of all, if a cat barked, it would just be a weird dog. So we could put a lot of ifs in on things. Number one, number two, I mean, how you can't diminish the fact that Montana got it done shouldn't be a diminishing fact when you compare him to Tom Brady. Listen, Brady is probably going to ultimately the best to have ever done it. He's the first guy to come along. People say that, and I go, you know, how can you really argue? He's, he's probably going to win five, uh, maybe even six. You never know. So I get that. But Montana did have great talent. But how many other quarterbacks had great talent and didn't get it done? I'll wait. That list is pretty good. Yeah, no. I'll- yeah. I'm, I'm not diminishing Joe Montana. Okay. Yeah, it sounds, kind of sounds like it a little bit. In any way, but if you're asking who the greatest is, I'm telling you the argument why I feel it's Tom Brady. Well, that's a fair that's a fair argument. Uh, you know, I I tell you know, talk to my sons about this. Is that you know I think the greatest runner uh, to have ever run in the NFL is Barry Sanders, and people look at me like I'm crazy. He never really won anything, but if you just watch the guy, it's unbelievable. And I'm sure you disagree with that as well. Um, I haven't really thought about who the best runner is. I mean, I, I would put Barry Sanders at or near the top. I, I would have loved to have seen him play for five more seasons. Um, and, and had he done that, he would have held every record in the history of the NFL. And, no and I don't think it would be an argument. No but that's, that's, the only, that's the only reason that, that people don't consider him that because he, he stepped away sooner probably than he, than he 
certainly than he could have. Well, you know, I'll wrap this up here to tell you again, man, I'm proud of you from when you got started and what you've done with yourself uh, in the business. You, You do work very, very hard. Uh, you got to be hard as hell to sit across a glass from. I can't remember. I can't imagine what your board out puts up with every day. Dear God, he must be strapped every day coming into the studio saying this is the day that I'm going to whack this cockroach. But <laughs> I'm, I'm easy to work with, Clay. I have I have one rule that I tell everybody who's ever produced my show when they walk in the first day. I have one rule. What's that? My rule is don't f up my show. That's it. That's it. I tell the first day they will, I say, and I've had, I've had now four different people produce my show since I've been at, at ESPN Baton Rouge. That's my rule. Don't F up my show. And, yeah. and as long as, as long as they adhere to that, we're good. Hey man, that's the rule to follow because when you're on the air, it's, you, you care about that stuff, but keep it up. Tell people how they can find you on social media. Yeah, Twitter, at Matt Moscona. Facebook page is uh, at Matt Moscona AFR. Uh, lots of vowels in the last name, but it's M-O-S-C-O-N-A. And he can spell recalcitrant. Now I can. Or I can spell it, but now I, know, I can always spell it. Now I know what it means. There you go. Use it in the show. And listen, again, you represent Baton Rouge very, very well, man. I, I, I just think... There's going to come a time really soon that the answer to the trivia question, where did Matt Moscona start his national career, uh, is going to be Baton Rouge, because I do think you're headed in that direction. So keep it up, brother. Thanks, Clay. Appreciate you, man. All right. Matt Moscona, after further review. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. Thankfully, the flooding has stopped. So what can we expect now? Well, it's very interesting. The feedback we're getting from our customers is that the floodwaters are beginning to rise. They look like a scene from Harry Potter. Oh, goodness. As all the spiders and the roaches were trying to outrun these waters. So these structures are being overrun by spiders and roaches. So what does that mean? Well, that means you need to suspend. Ah. It's a great product. It's totally odorless. Yep. It's very friendly to use with you around kids and pets. You just keep them off the treated surface till it dries. Hell, even I could use it. <laughs> Boy, that is saying something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's just a great multi-purpose product. So if you're close to the Big Easy and you want to get Suspend, how can I get it? Well, in Metairie, we're at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190 in the same shopping center as Sherwin-Williams and Villaries Florist. On the West Bank, we're on the Palco, just past the Harvey Bridge, and in Baton Rouge, we're at 806 O'Neill Lane. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Pretty good guy, old Matt Moscona is, huh? He is. And you can catch him as he gave you his social media handles there. You can communicate with him on Facebook or Twitter. And, of course, you can listen to his show every weekday in the afternoons here in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or on Facebook backslash ClayYoung, the only Clay Young that matters there. And, of course, you can email me here at podcast225.com. It's a complicated email. It might take you a while to get, but I'll give it to you anyway. Here it is. 
clay at podcast225.com. Tough to remember, I know, but I have faith in you. All right, guys, next week we're going to try to have a sit down with Jeff LaDuff, Kelly LaDuff, and Sandra Sterling all in the same room. I'm trying at that. Not guaranteed yet. I'll know when we get to the end of this week. You guys try to keep uh, positive and productive through the end of your work day or your day or wherever you are. And as always, we appreciate you listening to our show here at podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.